Welcome to We Are Free. I am your host, Becky Marchetto, and you're listening to episode 52. This is a podcast about letting go of what we think our lives should look like and the sweet freedom God has for us on the other side of surrender. My guest today is Tasha June. Tasha is a biracial, Korean-American, melancholy dreamer, a storyteller and poet, wife to Matt and mama to three little warriors. She's a right-from-home mom and contributes regularly to a number of publications. Tasha has lived and stood in places where cultures collide for as long as she can remember, and most days you'll find her homesick and thinking about identity, belonging, and lost things becoming found. She's been writing about those things ever since she received her first journal in the third grade. Hey, Tasha, so glad you're here. Hey, thanks for having me, Becky. Yeah, I love reading your post. You're a four, so you feel a lot of things, and I, you can I feel do. it when you write, but <laughs> I'm a one, but I'm a heavy, heavy feeler, so I love reading okay. your words because they have just a lot of like raw feeling to them, um, Aww, and thanks. I appreciate that. Um, I'm excited to chat with you being a mama to a daughter who was born in China, but who is uh, a U.S. citizen, an American girl, um, but mm-hmm. that's where her roots are, and I'm sure... I anticipate that as she gets older, there will be some conversations, I'm sure, maybe I'm wrong, but about, you know, some of the stuff we're going to chat about today. Um, So personally, I'm excited just because I can relate in our own family, um, or maybe Vera Mm. will be able to one day, but I'm I'm grateful for you sharing this stuff. Thanks. Thanks. I think it's, um, it's great that you're already thinking about that. That's, that's huge as her mom. So I think that's great that you're already thinking about some of the things that she might be um, questioning or thinking through. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Tasha, why don't you fill us in just on what your tell us about your childhood? <laughs> tell us the whole thing. <laughs> tell us a little bit about what it was uh, growing up as a Korean American girl, and just okay. what did that look like for you? Yeah. Um, so i um, I was born in a multicultural biracial home. And, um, what that means is my mom, um, my mom is Korean, but she grew up in Korea. And so when she immigrated to the U S she was a young adult. Um, and my dad grew up in California, um, in Californian. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that's your, it's its own thing. It you totally know? is. My um, husband is Californian too. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. You get it. Um, and so, um, Korean culture was very, um, loud, um, or dominant in our home. Um, it wasn't something that was very far removed, um, because my mom, you know, had just moved to the U S not that much longer before I was born. So, um, so growing up, I mean, I, I I mean, as a tiny child, I don't think I was aware that, having two cultures present was, you know, anything different than anyone else. Um, but then we moved overseas, um, when I was little. So we moved to Japan, um, and lived there during a lot of my formative years in elementary school. Um, and so that was interesting moving to an Asian country that wasn't Korea. Um, and kind of watching both of my parents navigate being foreigners um, and our family being foreign, but then also feeling like we were closer to um, what was home for my mom. So, um, so there's that. And then we moved back to the states and moved around a lot within the states. And so, um, I've just experienced a lot of different cultural areas within the U.S. too. Mm-hmm. So places that were very diverse, um, 
racially and culturally and then places that haven't been at all. So, um, so yeah, just a lot of different, um, cultures colliding at all times. Yeah. So you've written, uh, these words, you said born from a womb of culture loss. Um, when did you start to, to feel that? Um, yeah, I can't really pinpoint exactly, Mm -hmm. but grew up knowing, um, or just being very aware that my mom, um, I mean, she was sad a lot. Um, and it always, I mean, as I got a little bit older, um, still like elementary school aged, I knew there was, um, a grief in her, a missing of home. Um, she also lost her parents when she was young. And so that tie was also gone, but, um, yeah, I knew, I mean, America was her home. Um, but I also knew that there was this other place that was always missing. So even though, um, I didn't leave that place, I felt it from a very young age, just that that loss was there. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just present in everything, you know, I mean, when she cooked a meal, um, or made something that went with a little story, like she would tell me, Oh, I had this when I was little. And so, I would always ask her, I mean, I was always very curious, um, as a child. And so I would ask her about it and sometimes she would want to share and sometimes she would not. And so you, you know, you just pick up on that stuff as a kid. It's Mm -hmm. like, there's this deep loss that's being carried from one generation to the next. Yeah. Um, and it was just always there and yeah. So it wasn't until I was older that I could put words to it, but Mm -hmm. definitely remember feeling it at a very young age. Yeah. When you maybe how old were you, I guess, when you started to experience like your own, so you've kind of felt it from your mom and you probably took some of that on and like felt that from her. But as you kind of ventured out into the world, when did you start experiencing like your own personal struggles with it? And what, what were some of those things that, that you struggled with? Yeah. Um, so when my family, we moved from California, um, at the end of junior high to Indiana. Um, and that move was a huge shift. Um, we had lived in a, we lived just outside of Santa Barbara and, um, it was a pretty diverse school. And, you know, I was younger when we moved to Indiana, um, it was, um, very homogenous and I had never, um, I had never been outside of being in Japan as a country, the country is homogenous, but, um, I had never been in a school setting that was, if that makes sense where, and where I stood out. And so I remember going into homeroom class and looking out at the classroom, someone was introducing me as a new student and really like in a really jolting, um, moment felt like I look different than everybody in this room. And I had never, um, felt like that before in such a jolting way. Um, even in Japan, even though I didn't, I mean, Japanese people didn't think I was Japanese. I still felt like I could blend in a little like mm-hmm. with the dark hair. So, um, so yeah, it was very jolting for me. Um, and then there were just a lot of people that would ask, like asked if I was from China, if I was Mexican, Hawaii, like just trying to figure out why I looked different. And so that kind of just pronounced everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of sent me on a spiral of, searching. Um, and at that point in life, I mean, some of it had to do with age. I just wanted to hide. Like I did not. So really wanted to push that away. Yeah. So. Um, you also say I'm pulling all these quotes cause everything yeah, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> Oh, that's good. Oh, that's so like strong. And like you tie stuff up so good. Like you said, I learned to restrict my Koreanness. Like I was on a strict diet. 
Um, what, what did that look like for you? What were you restricting? Why did you feel that way? Um, as somebody like who can't, I mean, I'm a very, I would say I'm a sensitive and a very aware person, but I'm, I'm, I'm still a white girl. Like how, what were you feeling? And like, were people making you feel that way? Was this something you brought on yourself or other people Mm -hmm. doing something that, that led you to feel this way? Right. Um, I mean, at that point where I was starting to hide and didn't want to stand out, I don't think anyone outright said, you know, like it's bad to be Asian. Um, it was just a lot of attention focused specifically on um, my racial background. And I hadn't even, you know, processed a lot of that. And so I wasn't ready to respond. I didn't know how to respond to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like I said a minute ago, like my first instinct was to hide it. Um, but even when there was so much, even when there was attention on it, that wasn't necessarily negative or mean. Um, and there was, there was mean stuff too, but even when there wasn't stuff that was mean, it was the fact that I think people felt so comfortable discussing, um, and pointing out that I was different, um, and just making a big deal about it, you know, and not so much like wanting to learn about who I was, um, but just making a big deal about it to the point where it felt like, okay, this is, I, um, I'm not part of the norm. I'm not mm. part of what people consider American, even though I am American. Um, and so kind of that larger narrative, um, you know, that carries back from ages ago, from the founding of our country, there is this narrative that there is, you know, of white supremacy, I guess. And so, I mean, while no one's going around act saying any of those words, it still played out in that way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and so I really feel like it it was me responding to that um, by just wanting to hide. Like I didn't I didn't want to be considered something other than the majority. Yeah. Yeah. You wanted to, yeah. You wanted yeah. to fit in and you're a four so you probably really didn't want the attention on you (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah Yeah. um Tasha what would you say are maybe some myths or misconceptions that people have of mixed race women um in today's age back then now anytime I guess right um yeah I mean I think it, it might be slowly changing just as there are more voices you know representing um I mean all different groups but um I think Growing up, I, there were a lot of people that had said to me that, you know, and being mixed means that you are less of one or you're not actually Korean or you're not white. You're, you know, you're, I mean, kind of deciding what you are um, for one, but also that there is this idea of like, you can't fully inhabit either space because you only have half um, or um, on the flip side of that, like you have to choose mm-hmm. um, one side or the other. Um, almost, almost like you choose one side and the other side you can kind of be ashamed of. Um, and so, um, both of those things have come up a lot, like again and again, and I still see it, um, just, yeah, just that we can't, um, we can't say who we are (laughs) and we can't be both at the same time. So did you feel like as a child or not maybe a child, but like growing up, maybe middle school, high school, did you identify with one group, one side of it more than the other, but were almost like afraid to say, or, you know, like, I don't, what did that look like for you? Um, so I think because, um, 
you know, I resembled my mom, like coloring wise. And because my mom, um, just, we ate a lot of Korean food. We ate a lot of different things, but that's what home smelled like was, um, smelled like Korean cooking. Um, and so because that was so dominant, I think at home, I mean, I knew I was Korean, um, but I also didn't, didn't grow up speaking Korean. And so it felt like there was a deficit there. Like I couldn't, um, fully engage with other groups of Koreans, um, or I thought that at least. Um, and then along, yeah. And so I, but then I think I felt like that did not fit at school, at least not in high school yeah. where, um, there weren't, there wasn't much diversity, you know? So I felt like, I don't know that anyone told me it wasn't welcome, but I mean, you would hear people mocking, you know, someone who had an accent or, so that spoke to me like, okay, so that I can't, they're not, I don't want them to come to my house mm-hmm. or, you know, um, just kind of in unspoken ways felt like, okay, that part of me is not welcome because they're like, you know, everyone's laughing about the Asian people or, you know, just, and I mean, so many different things, but mm-hmm. yeah, no one said that like about my mom specifically or our food specifically, but, um, but it felt like that's home, that's me. And so I just have to keep that to myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Did you, or not, not, I mean, not just then, like I, maybe at what point do you, did things change or have they? Like as an adult, do you still feel yeah. that way? Um, I, sometimes I am tempted to feel that way. Um, I mean, I still sometimes feel in college, I took a class. It was Korean language because I was like, I want to learn. Um, and the class was really small and it was all, um, it's a lot of students that could already speak Korean. And I think they just needed another credit. And so it just turned out that semester and it was terrible because I couldn't keep up with anyone, you know, cause I didn't know no one was mean or anything, but I felt very much like the outsider. Mm-hmm. And so there are moments like things like that, that happen where I'm like, gosh, I'm just not I'm not Korean enough. I don't, I still don't know enough. I still don't get it. You know, I've tried to teach, learn as an adult, but it's so hard as an adult. Um, but I think going back to, okay, that's not what makes me Korean. It's an important part of the culture, but for me, I am still, I'm Korean American. Um, and even just saying it, I think I used to put a disclaimer, like if someone would ask me, I would not be comfortable saying, I wouldn't have been comfortable saying I'm a Korean American before because I would feel like, well, actually I'm, I'm, my mom is Korean or, you know, just yeah. kind of like, I couldn't embrace it yeah. um, or that there's no diversity within that group. And there is. Right. So, right. Yeah. So uh, now you say you embrace the place where cultures collide. Um, what does that look like for you? What is that? I'm sure it's like daily stuff and I'm sure it's big stuff, traditions, you know, annual things. Um, what does yeah. that look like for you personally and for your family to embrace that place? Yeah. Um, so growing up and then also now in our family, um, it just looks like a lot of give and take, like, um, a lot of, a lot of conversations, (laughs) um, a lot of, um, so my husband and I, I mean, just as I've grown, you know, in our marriage, we've been married for 15 years. Um, you know, he's seen me embrace more of my ethnic identity. And so he has kind of, we've kind of grown together in that, but, it's changed. And so, I mean, like in anything in marriage, you, you grow together, right. You know, you're becoming together. Um, but sometimes that's hard, you know, cause we're not the same people we were and <laughs> we're both growing. And so there's a lot of give and take, a lot of questions, um, a lot of learning how to, um, embrace those things together. Mm-hmm. So even though he's not Korean American, I mean, like even, um, our adoption of our youngest daughter, some of that was learning to, as a family embrace Korean culture 
even more mm-hmm. um, and bring more more of that into our home. Um, and then just making just dis- and then dinner, like I mean, just little things like that, yeah. you know. Um, me realizing, no, I just I want to have Korean food more um, and kind of working that in, um, but also doing the things we've always done at the same time. So, yeah. How do your kids respond or like, what are they, you know, where do they come into all this? Yeah. I mean, they're all over the place and um, it's interesting because, you know, we have two, we have two boys that are older at 11 and eight. And um, just by looking at them, because I think, you know, we live kind of the way we present ourselves, like affects how we see ourselves, you know, and, um, and how other people see us. So, I mean, one, just naturally he has darker hair and his skin gets darker and darker eyes, you know, and then our other boy, um, like you, I don't think people know that he's Korean unless he tells them or mm-hmm. they, or they see him with our family. Um, and then our daughter obviously is full Korean, like looks Korean. So, um, so in some ways they've had to, like they've learned about their identity from what we've told them, mm-hmm. you know, like we keep sharing. Um, so we tell them the story a lot, like, about both of us, like my husband and Matt and I, um, and then also where their Koreanness comes from. And then for the boys and then for our daughter, just telling her the story again and again of, you know, you were born in Korea and, um, and having a lot of literature around the house to kind of inform them. Yeah. Um, but still, I mean, like our middle guy who's eight and some of it's his age. I mean, I think just last year, um, when he was in second grade, he was confused about it. Like, am I Japanese? Like, you know, just, you know, just trying to figure yeah. it out, like put the pieces together and we make room for that too. Cause I think that's, that's okay. Right. <laughs> you know, it's right. a normal part of growing up. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember, gosh, it was probably about a year ago and this has happened so rarely to us and I don't even say it to complain. I'm it just, this had not very happened very often, but Vera and I were at Kohl's. We were in the Kohl's bathroom and I assume she was a Chinese woman based on what she said, but she okay. looks at me, she looks at Vera and, you know, the back and forth. And she kind of has this like scowl on her face and oh, no. she's like, oh, is she Chinese? And I said, well, I didn't get into like, technically she's a U.S. citizen. I was like, yeah, she was born, yeah. in, China, you know, born in China. And she looks at me, she's like, are you Chinese? And I just laugh. I'm like, look at me, lady. Like, am I Chinese? I mean, maybe, but no, you know, and oh, is her daddy Chinese? And no, you know, we adopted her and blah, blah, blah. And like, she kind of scowled and left and all this stuff. And it it would, it was all right. But what I got, remember walking away from it was like, there's so many different places we can find our identity. And at the end of the day, like the only thing I want Vera to ever know, because she's going to experience this stuff probably later in life, but there's going to be questions, even if it's not negative, people are going to be curious, you know? And like, so to have her identity in Jesus and to whether, wherever she was born, whatever she looks like, whoever she is, whatever she's good at or not, like at the end of the day, our family looks different, but like if we can all have our rooted identity in Jesus, then we're going to mm-hmm. be all right. Um, mm-hmm. And it's probably easier than that sounds, you know, but that's what we want to instill. Yeah. And I remember walking away from that experience thinking like, okay, like, is she Chinese? Is she American? Is she this? She's beautiful. She's smart. But like at the end of the day, like, right. let's introduce this girl to the love of Jesus, you know? And mm-hmm. um, I guess my question, like, where does your uh, faith like kind of intertwine with your ethnic right. identity? Like, how does that right. work for you? Yeah, that's been a really important journey um, because I think 
when I struggled a lot, um, and experienced like a lot of shame for who I was, um, especially ethnically, um, and biracially, I really just wanted to discard that. And, um, I think, and after I started walking with the Lord, I still struggled with that area and wanted to not process that, not, not, um, really just not engage with that area, that part of me. And part of that was being around other believers, um, who couldn't relate or just didn't think it was important. Um, and not in a bad way, just didn't think it was important. And, but I really hit a wall after a while and it came down to, um, the fact that I think that God really wanted me to embrace that because he made me that way. Um, and that I couldn't really full out hit, full, live out his image in me um, if I was rejecting like that gift that he had given me. Um, and so, so I think before I probably would have said, you know, my identity is in Christ and that's it. And I don't have to worry about any of that other stuff, but kind of in a shallow way, not like what you were saying. Um, but because I didn't want to deal with all of my story, all of who he had made me to be. And so um, to grow closer to Christ, I really had to embrace a lot of that. And that really has developed a lot of intimacy in my relationship with him. And so I think that's really what, um, over the last 20 years or so, what has allowed me to feel fully loved by God and really feel like, okay, my identity is... Um, I'm a beloved child by God, but, but, but until I am able to see all of myself loved by him, mm-hmm. including my ethnic identity, um, then I can't experience that love, mm-hmm. you know? So kind of like what you were saying, um, but also just, I, that was just a really important step for me. So to really come to terms with um, the ethnic identity he's given me. Yeah. So not that it trumps my identity in him, but that it's so interwoven, you know, you still have to acknowledge it. It's not like everything disappears. Right. That's like the overarching thing, but like we still are who he created us to be. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, You talk a lot about being a homesick believer Um, for somebody who maybe doesn't know that term. Can you just fill us in on what that means? And then um, also, well, I'll ask you after, go ahead. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, So I just kind of, say that because, I mean, I have hope as a believer, um, but have probably felt homesick my whole life. And I think, you know, I attributed that to moving early on. Um, but I think what I've learned is that the moving just kind of, um, just kind of revealed that homesickness that was probably, that is always there. I think for, I mean, I can't say that everyone feels that way, but just that we're not, we're not home yet, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and it kind of just, the, all that moving and the different cultures, I think has just stirred it up enough that it just, I can't get away from it. Mm-hmm. So I feel it all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So where do you feel the most at home, I guess? Yeah. Um, or the most just, peace? Yeah. Um, I think in moments, um, in moments when, um, especially when I see um, people across cultures or even um different groups of any kind, um, seeing their need, um, for each other and seeing God in one another in some of those moments. Um, and it could just be people breaking bread, you know, over a meal. Um, but every now and then, like when I'm in a situation like that, um, in college, it was a bunch of international students that I was really close to, um, just in that community. Um, 
And then sometimes just now it's at our own dinner table. But just when I experience that, I feel like, okay, this is a piece of home. It feels like this tiny homecoming, um, a little bit of heaven here on earth. Um, and so that's when I feel it the most. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or even just in travel, connecting with people from other cultures. And I think part of that is just, just how God, how God has made me, but Mm -hmm. yeah, in those moments. Yeah. Tasha, do you still struggle with some of the stuff that you did as a younger girl and growing up like as an adult? And like you said, like there are more voices. I think things are being brought to light more. People are more for or talking about stepping into, (laughs) you know, like who God created us to be um, and just more conversations around it. But do you still have some of those same struggles that you did 20 years ago? Right. Yeah. I mean, I have moments. I think it's a work in progress. And I mean, I feel like God is constantly, you know, wooing all of us um, to know just how loved we are, right, fully. And and so, yeah, I definitely have moments, um, but I do feel like I live with a lot more freedom than I I did before because I I love... um, It sounds so, like, ridiculous, but I love who He's made me to be, and I would not have ever been able to say anything like that before. Um, and that's not about me. It's just like being able to love who, who he decided I would be, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Do you think there's (laughs) anything, um, just in your own experience and having different friends that you've had over the years or people in your life, is there anything that white Christian women, uh, can do to better come alongside, um, sisters in Christ who are Mm. mixed race, biracial, um, Mm. Korean American, Chinese American, African American, whatever it is, like, do you believe, or what are some things that you've experienced yourself that have just been helpful or like welcoming to you or acknowledgement? Um, what are some things that the church can do to, um, just open up their eyes a little bit? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think every, I mean, everyone is, different. I mean, as far as like biracial women, I mean, I think, I mean, I have biracial friends who's, um, I mean, all different makeups, but maybe one or two of their parents haven't, um, you know, just moved from overseas, like a generation before them, like depending on what generation Mm -hmm. they are, their experience might be very different. But I think for me, um, some of the things that have been most helpful are just people that want to listen, um, and want to experience, home with me. Um, that was another big thing. Um, and, and even just try things, you know, wanting, um, wanting to eat what I eat or, I mean, maybe not like it, but try, you know, or ask questions. Um, and then I think too, just whenever I've had someone believe that, um, that I have something to offer from my cultural heritage or background or, um, like even the way that I learned to tell stories, like the way my mom did, you know, that that has um, brings something of value to the church and there's space made for that. I think that that has just, that's helped me a ton, you know? Yeah. Um, like I don't have to tell the story like everyone else or, you know, so that's, that's been huge. Yeah. That's good. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you you addressed this a tiny bit before, but what do you feel over the years and through your journey? Um, just what has God set you free from? Um, I think 
really just the idea that um, one people group is better, um, which I mean, that's in so much of our world in national history. But um, I think I really believed that, you know, and um, really just that his his image of Imago Dei could be less in me than in someone else or, you know, that it could. Yeah. So really, I feel like that's been a huge thing. Um, and then, yeah, and then just in progress, just learning that this is always in progress. <laughs> so, <laughs> We're all in I progress. Like, yes, <laughs> but that he is just freeing me from believing that my, um, that my voice doesn't matter, that it should be quiet. Um, and, and there's a time and place for that, but that it should um, shrink. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Good. Well, I believe the words that you write and what you're putting out in the world are such a light and encouragement and you do it in a way that is, I don't know, it's just, it's a unique way, the words that you write. So um, I'm grateful for you and for what you're sharing. Thank you. Yeah. Where can people follow along what you're up to? Maybe Um, what are some places that you are, um, that you write for often or your own blog and Instagram? Yeah. Um, my own blog is just Tasha June. Um, it's, but it's without an E, it's J-U-N and, um, dot com. And then, yeah, I love being on Instagram cause I love images. Um, and that is my handle is Tasha June B. Um, and I'm in other places, but I don't like them as much. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then I write regularly for encourage, uh, monthly. Yeah. And, that's really about it. I mean, other places are a lot more random. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, mm-hmm. Tasha, just for sharing all of this and giving us a little insight into um, what life looks like for you and who God made you to be. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Again, don't forget to check out the show notes where we have all of the info and links and resources we talked about in the show. You can go to beckymorkecho.com, B E C K Y. M-O-R-Q-U-E-C-H-O dot com. Thanks for listening in.